Florida is a great place to escape winter weather, and festivals give us a chance to avoid it together. Thank you for tuning into Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial, I want you to remember their own opinions, and they might be different from yours. So we've had some wild winter weather recently. We have been out of, like, it's kind of small potatoes compared to other people, oh, sure. uh, other yeah, totally. other places in the country, but uh, the last two days have been on and off power for kind of nine nine hours at a time out and stuff like that. I'm just kind curious. Unexpectedly. I'm curious about, like, birds, though. I haven't heard that any, like, um, really good sightings were off the coast yet, but I'm wondering if, like, as things have died down, people will go out and find, you know, the fowl ropes and things. Maybe. Well, so there was there was leeches storm petrels being seen down um, about 45 minutes south of us hmm. that had been blown into a parking lot. So that's that's one bird. But I, I, it was it was too it was too intense. So like the last two days, I think we had spikes of almost 80 mile an hour gusts with uh, straight winds between 30 and 50. Yeah. So that was it was a nice a nice full winter storm. It's pretty cool. Well, wherever you are, we hope that you are safe and dry and warm. Yes. Uh, so I did want to give an update on New Year's goals uh, since this is our last episode of the year. Do you even remember what yours is? I don't. Man, I think it's I sh- like to go running or something. It might have been to get in shape. And I've been, uh, it might have been something along those lines. I th- I've been on like 12 runs total for I the whole year. I can't it's been that many. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I went back and checked the other day about that. And it's hmm. not very many. <laughs> So I um, miserable failure uh, for my for my goals. <laughs> so let's make, let's I'll come up with some new ones that'll be the same ones for next year that I'll also fail. Not gonna make it yeah. a little easier for on yourself. Well, if it's not measurable, then it's easy, right? Like yeah. If you you don't do the real goal where it's measurable and uh, <laughs> achievable, you just uh, just say a thing and be like, I'm just, gonna do a thing. You're gonna make it like really hard on yourself. <laughs> So anyways, yours was measurable. I want to brag. Yeah, because I actually uh, met and surpassed my uh, New Year's goal for once. Yes. <laughs> Which we, I don't usually make them. But this year I was like, I want to be a better reader. And I think, you know, if you've been listening since the beginning of the year, I've been saying that and I've checked in regularly about it, even though most of you probably don't care. Um, but my goal was to read 12 books over the year cause I love reading. I just never really make the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually finished 13. So I'm pretty jazzed about that. Hey, we still have like four more days, three more days, two more days. One I can more finish day. another I don't book. Know. You, you could finish another book in a couple days. Yeah. If the uh, power goes out again, I mean, that's nothing true. else to do but read. That's true. Uh, so I did want to, uh, mention my last book that I finished is called slow burning by Joan E. Strassman. And, um, it's, you know, a really interesting book about birds that Joan finds in, around her backyard or in her local area and then kind of deep dives into um, something interesting about that species in that chapter. So, like, you know, cardinals, she mentioned, has a whole chapter about that and mockingbirds. Hmm. And um, it was kind of a bummer that, like, we there wasn't a whole lot of, like, West Coast birds, so I could really, you know, relate in that sense. But, of course, you know, I, I know about those species, and I've seen a lot of the species that she's mentioned. So it's fun to learn more in-depth information about species that you would otherwise just, like, check off your list, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. and call it a day. Um, so that that's really cool. 
all that information about the common birds. Um, but here's my pitch to you all. So, uh, like I want to, you know, continue being a better reader in 2023. And, you know, there's so many great bird related books. Like I, I'm not one for like the super techie, like here's all this research kind of book, but more like general, you know, interesting things about birds and travel and stuff like that. But, and I know there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, but I want to do something that's bird related books. And I don't know what that means. Um, I toyed with the idea of doing a virtual book club, but I don't know how many people would participate. And there really is kind of like a maximum number of folks that you'd want to have um, in a functional book club. So if you have any ideas of how, um, you know, I can engage with folks with birds and books, you know, just shoot me a message and I would love to hear your ideas. That's, it would be like a New Year's resolution, essentially, kind of, right? Because <laughs> well, we're getting to the beginning of the New Year. So. I do have um, an actual New Year's resolution, uh, and it's in partnership with Berta, who we talked to, you know, or talked about a couple months ago oh, yeah, when yeah. we met him at uh, your, the Bird Fair. Yeah. And um, they reached out to me about doing goals for 2023. So, And I do have a New Year's goal with Berta. Um, so it's to see 35 species a month, spend an hour a week out in nature, 10 sessions per month of birding, and 120 days overall uh, wild in this year. So, um, you know, Berta's going to keep me accountable with that. I, I love that they have that option to set goals. And I look forward to hopefully... Completing those. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, other news-ish stuff. Um, CBCs are almost done. I think we got about a week left, a little bit less than a week left for um, Christmas bird counts to be finished. Um, there was an interesting thing with our CBC in our area that we unfortunately weren't able to participate in, but we had, I think it was an Oregon State record for CBCs to have eight species of warbler on ours. Oh, wow. It was Intense. They they were just finding warbler after warbler after warbler, which if anybody knows the Pacific Northwest that well, winter warblers are not like a super common thing that are everywhere. So yeah. having eight warblers on a single day was uh, pretty exciting within within a CBC circle. I don't know if it was a record, but there was like people talking about that it might be. So maybe be a weird statistic to keep track of. And we do have a correction from the last episode that we want to um, clear or to fix. Yes. So we did get a, a listener that mentioned that we said the name of the wetlands that we visited just north of Miami wrong. So Eric. Yeah. So we made a mistake. Uh, I guess probably a total of like 14 or 15 mistakes. <laughs> um, the same mistake 14 sounds, or 15 times. That sounds low. <laughs> um, but um, I, I made a typo when I was transposing and put a different letter into uh, Wakota Hatchie Wetlands. And it made us pronounce it even further wrong than what we would have probably mispronounced it anyways. So Wakota Hatchie is um, the proper pronunciation of the wetlands that we went to um, while we were down in near Orlando area. But... Thank you so much for sending us a correction, and I'm so glad that we're not uh, butchering that name anymore. <laughs> we had no idea, and then and I couldn't find it, and then she, uh, the, who, whoever it was, I can't remember their, their name, but they sent us a uh, a video from the staff at Wakota Hatchie Wetlands um, getting their take on how to pronounce it, and um, it, it was like 75% of them pronounced it correctly. Well, at least we're not the only ones. Yeah, at least we weren't completely wrong, but it was, but it was great to get that correction, and I'm, I'm glad that... Uh, we can fix that now. Yeah. So thank you for sending that in. So Hannah had an episode coming out, uh, coming out, came out uh, last week. Um, 
What was your episode? When was Women Birders Happy Hour? So I interviewed Trisha Newton, um, whose husband we actually guided with when we were at the North Shore Birding Festival. So that was exciting to meet him. Yeah. And uh, he told us all about his wife. And I was like, hey, I want to chat with her. She sounds awesome. So check out um, that episode of Women Birders Happy Hour. And the drink of that episode was a Gunnison Sage Grouse. So you can find that podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, like the very <laughs> one you're listening to right now. And uh, next thing is we're going some places soon. Yeah, doing some things. Going some places, doing some things. So we've got the San Diego Bird Fest in February, as usual. Um, we just got word from my mom that she's going to let <laughs> us go to Champions of the Flyway in March, which, Eric, backstory, Eric and I work at my family's hotel, and my mom is my boss, and so I have to get vacation time passed by her. So yeah. <laughs> um, that's why. Anyways, so Champions you, you don't of... just ask your mom permission to go anywhere you go? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, so Champions of the Flyway in March. So excited to be going back for that. We were getting like messages about it and started feeling real FOMO. So we were like, okay, we need to go. <laughs> um, and then in April, we'll be at Galveston Featherfest and the Birdiest Festival in America. So Galveston Featherfest in Galveston. Birdiest Festival is in Corpus. And then... Um, no other things right now until Uganda in December. So looking forward to a fun year and, you know, maybe filling in some other things as they come up. That'll be fun. Um, so we had our, our bird nerd giveaway for December. This is now the end of December. So we get to announce our winner for the bird nerd giveaway. And so what we asked you all to do was to send us your favorite bird list from 2022 um, which could have been eBird list, could have been a journal entry, whatever. And we got some really cool responses from people who have gone interesting places and seen cool birds. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it was really fun to read through them all and see what you all have seen this year. Yeah, some of them were their first time that they birded away from their home patch. Other ones were just really a really cool bird that they saw for the first time. Or sometimes it was a really cool, as different uh, two different species of birds you don't normally see on a list that we got. So that was... That was really awesome. A couple of people sent us like their favorite location that they like to bird at, and they birded at it multiple times, all that stuff. And so out of all of the entries, we randomly selected a winner to receive the prize for this month, which is a free entry to the San Diego Bird Festival. And the winner is... Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, maybe that should have been the beginning. I don't know. It's Kimberly. Um, yeah, so she she sent us a um, a list of it was her favorite list for the year where um, they went on um, it looked like it was a pelagic um, out of New Zealand out of New Zealand where they saw a ton of albatross. So I, I think I think the list had five species of albatross. Wow, that's so cool! Pretty spectacular. So congratulations, Kimberly, and we will be in contact to get you the get you the prize and tune in next month to see what we're giving away next month. And thanks for everybody who submitted. So yeah, tune in for the next one. Yeah. So, um, we are here to tell you all about the North Shore Birding Festival. Yes. So, um, I can't remember if we mentioned it before, but it all came up because um, the coordinator, uh, Kathy, one of the coordinators of the festival, she was at Spring Chirp, and she kind of mentioned to me about this birding festival, and I was like, oh man, we're going to be in Orlando like the next week, you know, maybe we can come down and guide, mm -hmm. and, you know, just make it a whole, like, trip down to Florida, and she... Um, was like, yeah, that'd be cool. And then a couple months later, I, you know, sent her an email like, we're buying flights. Should we buy a flight that includes North Shore Burning Festival? She said, yeah, come down. So, uh, yeah, that that was how we, we got on this festival. <laughs> we forced our way in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, last 
Last episode, we talked all about stuff we did right after the festival. Mm -hmm. So this is like the lead up into the last episode, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the wrong order. Yeah. I mean, we're releasing them in reverse order, I guess. (laughs) Um, So we flew down to Orlando, um, Uh landed in Orlando, got a rental car, um, all that stuff. And the very first day, which I think is technically a pre-festival trip, um, was down... All the way down at TM Goodwin uh, Wildlife Management Area. So, which is right outside of Fellsmere. So, yes. it's, geez, like two hours south of the North Shore Burning Festival, like headquarter location. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, that was where we were going for the first day. So, we had to head all the way down there, um, landed in Orlando, drove down there, um, ended up getting dinner with uh, David Simpson, one of the, the guys that we were going to be guiding with that, that day in Fellsmere at a place called Marsh Landing. Yeah, which is really cool. I think spot. it's the only restaurant in Fellsmere, maybe. Maybe. It's maybe. a very small town. But it was it was pretty good. It was, it was good. What did I... I'm, I'm completely blinking on what I ended I up getting. Catfish. That's what it was. It was cat, catfish with their special sauce. Uh, he talked me into fried green tomato, like BLT. Oh, uh, yeah. Which was really good. Um, but the other weird thing about that was that I was, like, trying to find a hotel, and there's not a whole lot of hotels, like, in Fellsmere. And so we were looking <laughs> at, like, a different, uh, another town Like the next town south or something. And so I'm really picky about, like, finding hotels since we, like, own one. And so I was like looking through all the options and there's this one hotel that didn't have any reviews. And so I didn't like pick that one because I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Why don't they have zero reviews? How does a hotel have no reviews? I thought like, oh, it's probably not really even a hotel. It's like some wrong location sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so then like a couple hours later, I went and looked back at hotels again, trying to like see, oh, maybe somebody will have lowered their price. And I accidentally booked a room at the hotel that had no reviews. And so we got there, and they were like, we opened three hours ago. Congratulations. It was, it was their first day. So the building was brand new. We were, I imagine we were the very first people to stay in the room. In that room, yeah. It was brand, brand, brand new, everything. So that was that was exciting. Yeah. I was, so <laughs> it kind of explained why there was no reviews, because yeah. literally nobody had stayed there yet. I know. So that was an they interesting were work, situation. They were working out a lot of kinks and stuff. The door, door locks weren't quite working right. Well, and the, and Wi-Fi the Wi-Fi light didn't work. And yeah. Like... They charge us the weird tax amount. Yeah, they it was it was just like three or four dollars off of what it should have been. I know I felt bad because he was, was trying to explain hotel tax to me, and I was like, "Oh, I know hotel tax. <laughs> we're, we're we're familiar." <laughs> um, but it was it was definitely there were, there was a few kinks, but the nice hotel overall. It was it was a, it was a corporate chain sort of hotel. But. Yeah. So, anyways, anyways. Um, <laughs> getting back on track, the that next day we were guiding at TM Goodwin Wildlife Management Area, which uh, is a great florida burning wildlife trail site that we hadn't been to before so i was really excited about checking that out yeah and david had sent us a ton of information in advance he goes burning there all the time he leads trips there so he was like the person to go with yeah so we essentially we were uh people wranglers for him so we were we were just kind of uh making sure everyone kept up with with David, and then we were providing like the random ancillary information about stuff. Yeah, and getting but scopes he was on stuff, getting scopes on stuff, and all that, all that. But he was he was basically he was in charge. Yeah, D- David knew it was up anyway. So, <laughs> and so the section of the wildlife management unit is called the Broadmoor Unit, and it's only open a couple of days a week. It's like Mondays and Thursdays. It's open for vehicle traffic. Yeah, you Otherwise, can you can walk in, but you can't uh, you can't drive a vehicle in except for just those days. Yeah, and they do have um, a fair amount of hunting too. Mm-hmm. So you just have to you know do some research in advance of going there but it is just loaded with birds it is a very cool spot um lots of big cells of of wetland habitat that you drive on levees around um just 
It's kind of like standard, like you normally, like a lot of the wildlife management areas or a lot of the um, national wildlife refuges are like this too, where you yeah. can, you're, you're driving on the dikes in between or the dikes and levees between units or kind of like gravel roads that are like lower. It's just kind of like big giant areas that are, the intended purpose is to, what what, what is it, one of the places they called it a duck production area that we, uh, well, that it's basically to like get, allow ducks to gather in large groups so that essentially so people can hunt them, but they create great breeding and like overwintering habitat for different species. Yeah. There was about 6,000 ringneck ducks that were counted by the hundreds going through there. Um, a handful of canvas backs, green wing teals, uh, all the teals. Not all the teals. We didn't have any cinnamon, but blue wing teals, widgeons. There was one fulvous whistling duck that was like heard far off. So it it was. There might have been more, but oh, it was very windy. I forgot. It, about yeah, that. It, was, it was very windy. So there might have, there might have been more uh, fulvous, but we had uh, when we were on the north end of the loop that we were driving. There was a whole bunch of uh, black belly whistling ducks, kind of like calling into the into the reeds, and then a uh, a fulvous flushed up in a, in a group. So it was kind of like out there in like a, I think only like two or three people ended up seeing the fulvus, but that's, a, that's a more common species at, um, Lake, like, Lake Apopka itself yeah, instead of, uh, instead of all the way down at TM Goodwin. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things that I was really excited about was seeing gray headed swamp hens, which are not a native species to Florida were introduced. Um, but when we were living in Florida in 2018, it was like, there were several locations where there was like a couple of them Mm -hmm. and their species has done very well over the last four years. Um, which isn't necessarily a good thing, but they were like, there was, I don't know, we put 10 on the list. But it was, you know, still life before me. Yeah, and there was there, there weren't that great of looks at them, but it was pretty obvious. I mean, it's a it's a pretty striking, strikingly obvious bird. So it looks like, a lot like a purple gallinule, but it's yeah. like bill is heavier. Well, and it's like bluer too. Like the 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 color the coloration on it, it's it really it really stands out. Like it's it's like a rainbow standing back there, and then it's got a big heavy bill, a big heavy heavy for a coot and more hen sort of bill. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it was a it was a great day out there. Uh, it was windy, like I said, mm-hmm. but that just meant that the swallows were like har- a little bit harder to ID as they were zipping over our heads. But yeah. lots of ducks and herons and egrets and things around the the unit. We really didn't even get that far. I mean, we just went around that one or like the just two, one cell, yeah, one yeah. cell, and headed back. And I think David at that point was like, "Okay, you can keep going with me, or if you need to head out, head out." But you could have spent all day, you know, just driving around in there and seeing different things. Well, and, and I think I think David does do that a lot, where he'll spend the whole day out there. And, and he commented multiple times, like, this is a really short trip. It's a really short <laughs> trip. Because it was 9 to noon, I think, is, is what the total time frame was. Yeah. Or maybe it was 9 to 1. But um, it was... We, we only spent two and a half hours out there, which is which is not really that long in terms of birding. Um, could have been longer. And then the wind was super high. So that kind of contributes to... What he was referring to as our low species count, but um, I thought sixty-four species is pretty good for a morning. Oh yeah, I, um, I, th- I think he was expecting somewhere in the mid seventies to low eighties, um, just because of where it is and what time of year and everything. But the high winds and the the shorter shorter uh, total time that we were out there really contributed to not getting that many more. But sixty-four species in two and a half hours. Not, not a bad list. Yeah. And we had a little trouble finding exactly where the right spot was. Um, there is. If you map it, it took us to like the other side of a canal, 
uh, versus the one we, we should have been on. Mm-hmm. But there is a pit toilet at a um, boat ramp. Yeah. And it's on that road. We we're lucky that we stopped at the bathroom because a couple people from our field trip were stopped there too. They're and like, they oh, were we'll see in. you at the end. And we're yeah. like, oh, I guess it is down this so road. So I'm so glad <laughs> that that all worked out. Um, so just, yeah, if you're headed there, make sure you're going on the right canal road. <laughs> yeah. But once you get all the way down, it's, pre- it's pretty obvious. There's it like is. a dam. There's a whole parking area. It's... Yeah. And there were a lot of people fishing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so from there, we ended the trip, headed up to Wakaiwa Springs State Park, which is where um, the festival had us staying at. Mm-hmm. They have um, like whole camping area, or well, it's I mean they have a camping loop, but this was a youth camp cabins. Yeah, and so we were staying in one of the leader cabins, which was just really nice. Oh, and yeah. the whole section of park that it's in is seems so isolated, and like I mean the the highway isn't that far, like. You could at night you could see the lights from like cars driving past yeah, on the highway, but you, but you couldn't hear it. No, it was, it, there was enough trees that you couldn't hear the highway. It was so pleasant. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's a youth camp, and so there's um, there's there's all these uh, leader cabins, and there's also like the the kids cabins too. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really look inside the kids' cabins, but no. the the leader cabin at least it had AC, it had running water, it had it had a bathroom, had a bathroom, it had like, a mini fridge, mini fridge. So it's like, oh, this is the the only thing it didn't have was bedding. So we brought we we stopped at Costco and bought bought some bedding anyways, and so we were we were good to go there. But it was like this is a nice cabin. It's, yeah. It stays it stays nice and nice and cool slash nice and warm if it were had been cold, <laughs> um, but it was it was it was really nice. I I really enjoyed the cabin and the bed was comfortable. Oh yeah, totally. I slept very well there. Um, <laughs> we yeah got all situated and then we were having trouble finding dinner. Uh, so our option ended up being this Mexican restaurant that was really good and we chose it because it was called Garibaldi, <laughs> and that's the name of a town that's not too far from us, and. We ended up going there twice because it was so good. They yeah. had really good margaritas and chips were really good and salsa and just, yeah, everything there was this, great. The salsa was like, just like paste picante out of a bottle, but the chips were good and then the rest of the food is all good I too. thought salsa was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the next morning we were guiding with Kathy, who um, was one of the coordinators that, you know, we had talked to about coming down for that yeah. festival. And she... She guided the trip with us around Wakaiwa Springs State Park. And mm-hmm. so we actually just left from the cabins and yeah. walked through. And there is just a ton of different habitat sections of the park. And it's all just really beautiful. Um, we saw a lot of birds. I mean, 39 species for walking through the forest in the morning, I thought was pretty good. We did about two miles of walking in mm-hmm. three hours. Um, but titmouse, Carolina chickadees, ruby crown kinglets, the brown headed nut hatches were really hard for us to find at first. But yeah. then I feel like we kept hearing them throughout the we, day. We, we kept hearing them, and, and that was one of the main targets. So that and Bachman sparrows were like the two like main targets for this for this walk. And the brown headed nut hatch, we had we had a couple, and we heard them, and a couple people saw them. They're kind of like way up in the trees, and we're like, okay, well. I guess that's about as good as it's going to get. So then we, we kept going, kept walking. We got to this area of habitat that looks really similar to what a Florida scrub jay habitat would look like. So it's um, got kind of this um, secluded oaks that are scrubby and low and really sandy area. It's described as a lush tropical hammock. Is that what the um, the scrubby area was? <laughs> that's just kind of what the, I think the whole park is the whole park. considered. So it, it has like all these different like areas, but... Uh, we, we, we got through that little scrubby area that it would, looked like it would be perfect for scrub chase. Oh, Sandhill Uplands. Sandhill Uplands. Yeah. There we go. Um, and then all of a sudden, we see a sparrow. And 
there was a, there was a couple of them. I think there was a chipping sparrow, and there was uh, there was some American goldfinches, and just some like sparrowy things running around in the yeah in the stuff. And then this one sparrow just like stands out and just stands up, very very amadramas type, where it's just like standing up, like I'm here, and not saying anything, just like standing up. And I was like, hey, I think uh, I think this is our target. Yeah. And and, and it was a Bachman's. It was a Bachman sparrow just hanging out. Just watching us as we were watching it. I think every every single person got on it. It was like, oh, cool. So then it was like, okay, well, we didn't really get that great of looks in nut hatches, but we got the sparrow. That was that was that was that was great. And so we go like ten feet further down the trail, and then all of a sudden we're completely surrounded by nut hatches. They were they're they're um, grabbing uh, pine uh, pine nuts and stuffing them underneath uh, underneath the bark of another pine tree, just moving back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and it was so fun to go birding with all those folks. You know, a lot of them had been through the park before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was fun talking to them about, like, the things that they've experienced while they're there. That Wakaiwa Springs is a spot where you can see black bear, which Eric saw one. I saw a black bear. Which was rude, because I did not. <laughs> it, it was that first night. It was it was the night before we went on the, the hike. So we were, dr- we, were, we were driving down to um, we were driving down to the Garibaldi's restaurant. Hannah was still looking at the menu to see if it was someplace that uh, was going to have everything we wanted. And... I, I come around a corner and I'm like, oh yeah, there's a bear, there's a bear. Uh, Cause it was, it had walked out and it, it walked out, it looked at us and it's like, oh geez. And it, it like got scared cause it didn't know what I was coming, <laughs> coming at it with headlights. So it like jumped and turned around like a full 360 and then like looked like it was pulling its pants up as it was like shuffling away. And Hannah, like, she was like, what? And it was, it happened it within like one second. It wasn't that slow. I wasn't that it, slow. It was like a three minute look and you're just oh, like, what? stop it. it you, you know, in Family Guy you're where so he's dramatic. like, what? Yeah, it was like that. No, it was very quick. It was like maybe one second. <laughs> it was just enough. The bear was there and it hopped around and ran away. Yeah. So. So I still have never seen a black bear in the wild. It was, it was about what you'd expect. A bear that was black. I want to see one. It was like fur, big furry butt running away. Well, anyways, so, um, yeah, so it was really fun to, to walk around the park. You know, I felt like we just, we went through so much of it, but I feel like we really only, you know, experienced a tiny bit of Wakaiwa Springs while we were there. We did about two miles. I think it said there's about 16 miles of trails total. I can believe that. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it was so comfortable because that day it wasn't windy. It was warm. Mm-hmm. You know, things were just kind of waking up as we were walking through and yeah, I really enjoyed that walk. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, so then that evening we did our keynote presentation, um, presented what we've learned in the last five years of podcasting. I think everybody, um, they said they enjoyed it, so they're either really good liars or we didn't do a terrible <laughs> job. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so that was fun. You know, had a had a full house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the whole, the whole, all the, all the seats were filled. Everyone, everyone stayed through the whole presentation. That's so true. That was, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a positive. Yeah. yeah. Nobody was like throwing up or anything. So. <laughs> no one threw up. No one had to leave. That was, we didn't offend anybody so badly for yeah. that. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you all for at least putting on a good face. It didn't seem like anybody fell asleep. So. No, that's true. That's that, the important thing. Yeah, there was no snoring. That's, that's another good positive. <laughs> um, and then the next day we were guiding at McDonald Canal um, which is on the north side of Lake Apopka. And w- weirdly enough, the north shore yeah. of Lake Apopka for the North Shore Birding Festival. Exactly. Yeah, so most of the trips, I would say probably over over half the trips left from this area, this McDonald Canal area. So there's there's like a boat ramp for fishers um, to drop off stuff. This is kind of where the lunches were, um, were at for each day. 
maybe came back from your field trip there. And we did, we did two trips that day, um, out of there. Um, we did one first thing in the morning that was, um, for young birders, mm-hmm. which was, which was great. We had six young birders, something like that, six, yeah. six young birders, some of which had their, uh, their parental chaperones along. Oh along yeah. With. We, we carpooled with just really nice girl and her grandmother. That was <laughs> a lot of fun. I enjoyed having them in the car with us. Oh yeah. Had yeah. great questions. She was, I mean, knew a ton about birds was picking them out, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the young birders, like it's. It's young in age, not young in skill. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> they, were, they were all just spectacular. It was, it was awesome. They're, and, and it was great to have, like, this trip and the second trip we did that same day, I, I feel like these, the Young Birders and then the Millennial Gen Z Birder trip mm-hmm. that we did, I feel like both of them are not, it's not that you need to do anything really differently to be leading these walks or to ha- to be hosting these sorts of walks. These are basically, like, a space for young birders to get together and socialize and bird. And it's a safe place that you have a guide. So if they have any questions, they can ask the guide about stuff about the particular area or whatever it is. But then but, you see people that look like you. Yeah. You see people that look like you, young, young people, people, your age, people of your demographics, whatever, whatever it is you're there with. And it doesn't, the leaders don't need to be doing anything particular, like specifically catering to young people or specifically yeah. catering to millennials or Gen Z. It's you don't just, have to have your hat on sideways. No, or it's, it's like that. literally just a place for people to be together and bird. And, 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 it, and it was great. And then that's exactly what it was. Um, the young birds, the six of them, they, like they, they knew, most of them knew each other mm-hmm. and the few that didn't know each other, they introduced themselves and they basically were just birding together. And we were, we were there to make sure that we went to the right places, basically. <laughs> basically, a chaperone to, to drive them around. <laughs> yeah, for for the most part, there. Were, I mean, there were, there was there was some um, guideish questions that we yeah, that we, no, that we dealt with, but it was it, for the, for the most part, it was providing a space for young young people to get together and bird together. So yeah. that was that was great. And then the same thing for the afternoon. We did basically the same exact trip, but with um, what was marketed as a millennial Gen Z birder, mm-hmm. and we basically did the same thing. Where it was we're we're in that we're in that age group, so it was like, oh, we'll just. We'll bird with these people that we don't know, and we'll get to know them. We'll be friends and have have a great time out birding. Yeah, and uh, the areas where we birded were really interesting. Um, yeah, so we started at the boat ramp, and we we birded that for a little while, and then we went into this area. I don't know exactly the ownership of it, but it's not normally open to vehicular traffic. So mm-hmm. bikers go through there, and they they ride their bikes. Which a lot of the bicycle uh, people were a little frustrated that we were driving cars through there. Because they kind of think of it as their area that they they can ride in, but because of the festival, we have special permission to drive, um, gu- guide people through there. So so we were, we were doing that. It was these long, basically kind of like kind of like uh, TM Goodwin, where you have um, these big huge cells of water air with of areas that's the north side of Lake Apopka. Mm-hmm. So an area that used to be farmed and is no longer farmed is getting restored, and it was great habitat throughout most of it. Well. Marginal habitat that is improving, um, and it's gr- great species. We had um, we had ag- again we were like in the sixties for for species for the day um, with for the fir- for the first trip in the morning with the young birders, just sparrows and and uh, ducks and purple gallinule. Finally, it was, yeah. it was our first first one of the year. Not that we've been in a lot of purple gallinule habitat, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was great. We saw, saw tons of, tons of really cool stuff. Um, I was excited about the common ground does too. I, yeah. I feel like that's just, that's a tough species. Like in Texas, it's gotten tougher and tougher mm-hmm. to see common ground doves, but in Florida, I mean, we had them on, I don't know, like half the list that we went to. Oh yeah. Well, and, and the barred owl that we had those at the bridge. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that was super cool. Yeah. That was just right there. It was super, it was a ham. Like 
<laughs> I got the scope in it and everybody was just checking it out. So that was really cool. Um, lots of turkey vultures, which I mean, isn't necessarily an uncommon thing, but it's, I don't know. They're one of those species that's just fun to watch them because they seem to have so much personality. Yeah. And then there were some rare species that, uh, that were targeted that, that have been just kind of like showing up like vermilion flycatcher, mm -hmm. which we ended up getting, um, we had like three of them. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two on the list, but I, th I think their total, it was kind of determined that there had been four during the festival okay. hanging out along that road. So lots of lots of vermilion flycatchers for a bird that's not normally in the area. So that was that was pretty exciting. Um, and it was it was unusual when we were down there uh, that well not unusual but for us that like every warbler seemed like it was a palm warbler. <laughs> I know seriously. That's it's, just is it, not something that that and swamp sparrow being so common mm, are just yeah. not familiar with me. So it's always just kind of shocking to see one. It's like oh yeah yeah they're very common. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And I can't remember which um, which of the participants said this, but uh, um, I think I think it was Blair. I'm not I'm not positive. Um, they said uh, that any anytime you see a warbler, if you can actually see it, it's a palm warbler. <laughs> like, and, and that was the thing. If you don't have to work to try to find it, try try to see it, yeah. it's a palm warbler. Because the palm warblers, they they're jumping out and they're they're wagging their tail and they just hop out and then they run away and then they hop back out and they run away. And but they're out there and you can see them so easily. <laughs> Especially down there at that time of year. It was just like, just ubiquitous. There are palm warblers everywhere. Yeah, so the first trip was really comfortable and everything. And then we had lunch at the pavilion there. They provided lunch for everybody. And the afternoon, it got super hot. Oh, yeah. Like, it was it was hard to be out for very long. But we spent a little bit more time at some of the ponds um, towards the, like, east, I think, from the, the headquarters. And, you know, just a lot of ducks out there. So we were picking out ducks. Um, but there was a pintails and gadwalls and shovelers and all of that good stuff. Later, lesser scops. Um, I think you guys were all trying to look for a greater scop, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it was really fun, you know, and kind of a relaxed environment to go birding with folks. I feel like sometimes when we're at festivals, it's like rush, 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 you know, <laughs> try to be really professional and everything, but it was I don't know. This one was a little bit more low key. Yeah, yeah. Both both the young birders Casual. and the and the millennial Gen Z uh, targeted bird walks were were very very nice and casual. Still saw tons of birds, but oh, totally. but it was still it was kind of like oh we can we can just kind of like socialize and like let's bird. We'll I'll, we'll teach you some stuff if if you want to hear it. If you don't want to hear it, we'll just chat yeah. about stuff. Yeah, so it was fun. Um, we went to that Garibaldi restaurant again because <laughs> it's easy not having to think about where to go. Um, and then the next day, we our trip was to Seminole State Forest to look for Florida scrub jays. Yes, yeah, and that, which was pretty cool. Generally easy, but pretty cool. <laughs> um, so we, we we get there, we get to Seminole State Forest, and um, which it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh yeah, and it's it was a day for a hunt, so it was like, oh man, what are we? There's a hunt going on. I don't know what we're gonna do. Yeah. Um, our our the guide that was gonna be guiding with us, he actually used to work there at Seminole State Forest, so it was like, oh, this is perfect. But he he had an issue, wasn't able to get there first thing on time. So he, he we we ended up having to do a little bit of improvising for for a little <laughs> while. Um, but it was awesome. We we but took that yeah that hike was really good. Oh so yeah. The coordinator from the festival suggested since the guide hadn't gotten there yet that we walk around Bear Pond, which is right at the the main parking lot. Yeah. And it has a bathroom, so that's nice. Um, and so we walked around that Bear Pond, and it was really good in there. I mean there. We were catching warblers, you know, there were wrens and, um, you know, 
red-winged blackbirds, of course, tons of American <laughs> robins flying over. Uh, there were red-headed woodpeckers that we were watching. Like, it was so full of stuff. And it was 8 o'clock in the morning, so, you know, things were starting to warm up, and so insects were coming out, and birds were getting more active. It was a really pleasant walk around that lake. Yeah, so we we did that. It was it was about two hours or so of um, of walking around the lake, and then uh, then we met up with our met 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 up with a guy that was uh, that used to work there. So it was like, okay, well let's let's get over to the to the um, to the scrub chase. And he's like, okay, so this is going to be fairly easy. It's going to be <laughs> fairly quick uh, because he he used to band them. He's he's done. He did a lot of work with them, so he knew exactly where we're going to go find them, which is ideal when you uh, when you go on one of these targeted trips that. The like you go with a guide that knows the specific area is a local guide knows 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 the spot knows where the birds are going to be, and uh, he actually kind of like knew the personalities of each birds and oh, he, I know. He, he he like personally knew the birds so I was like okay this is this is going to be easy. it's it's like a lot of times when you go to the Rio Grande Valley a lot of the guides down there are just like they know they, they know each individual bird oh so yeah it's they're like, all friends they go they're, they're all friends later. they go out to drinks it's 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 a it's a whole thing yeah but yeah that's the way he was with the, with the scrub jay so we 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 go up the hunt was not going to bother us at all at all luckily um they're they're hunting much deeper in the forest um so we we really didn't need to go that far in we walked in maybe 200 feet oh, past from, the check station Yeah, from the check station well okay so on the way to the check station though like i don't know we walked like 300 feet down the road from the parking lot to the check station yeah and just redheaded woodpeckers like crazy there was um a granary that was right next on one side of the road and then the like i don't know what it's called the tree that they eat the nuts on well it was like so he there was there was a, a granary tree yeah. and then i'm I, I would call it an anvil tree <laughs> the um the um, redhead woodpecker was using it as an anvil. I don't so. think that's a scientific term, but it might, it might be. I, don't I know. think I would call it its dining table. Maybe. Yeah. So, anyways. E- either way, that, that's where it was going. It would it would retrieve the nuts from storage and bring them over to this tree to break them open on the tree and eat them. Yeah. So that was just such a cool thing to experience. Um, yeah. I I kept stopping and like taking videos of it, and he was like. <laughs> So he kept saying, like, come on, let's go look at the scrub jays. Um, and we had to stay in between Eric and another person. They were wearing vests. They yeah, because like, it was a hunt. So either everyone had to wear a vest or everyone had to stay between the two people wearing vests. Yeah, so Eric kept having to tail along. <laughs> so <I laughs> it was like keeping videos. the group together, yeah. Yeah, so um, 300 feet, and then that's where the check station was. And then, like Eric said, only a couple, you know, maybe 200 feet yeah, after maybe. that is where the scrub jays come. Yeah, so we, we went up and uh, and and the guy that was with us, he was like, "All right, so we're gonna stand here and I'm gonna throw some nuts." <laughs> so he was, he he had he had the whole pile of nuts and he was just throwing them and he was uh, I, I can't remember if he was whistling or yeah, if he, he was, was squeaking like, or he he was he, he was, was whistling he was whistling okay yeah he he was calling them in, calling them in basically and well, all of a sudden one of them just whoop and then just starts whoosh, as it comes down the tree line coming towards us. And then after a few seconds, um, a, a second one appeared and it starts coming down the tree line. And they're they're kind of shy still. Yeah. Like they they didn't they didn't really want to come out and hang out. But he kept but, tossing nuts and then they they'd come and they get they the they grab the nut and then go run into the tree again with it. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. So every everybody got good good pictures and good looks of the Florida scrub jay. They're not the ones like at Blue Springs State Park though. They'll perch on your head. No. As far as I'm as far as our experience went. Yeah. Um, so he he explained there's different there's different families and he doesn't understand maybe somebody does but he he never found a rhyme or reason to discover why some of them would come and learn to be with you with people but all of them just kind of in general 
recognized that you get food easier from a person with with food, so mm-hmm. you treat that person better. Yeah. So he was like, you, all of them learn that, but some of them become super gregarious and will come out, and some of them will still stay hidden, but then they'll come to you with because you got the food and all that stuff. Sure. So it's just kind of kind of hit and miss individual to individual basis if they're gonna do what they do at uh blue um, springs, at, at blue springs. yeah so it was, it was kind of interesting to hear that that it's not just un, ubiquitous across the entire species that they all do that it's just it's an individual determination whether or not they're gonna be very human friendly yeah so um yeah finished up that walk which ended up being a lot of fun also and mm-hmm. of course it's cool to see the scrub jays um added that to the list for the year and then I forced Eric to do something that I have wanted to do since we <laughs> moved to Florida. Yeah. And that was to go swimming in the spring. So we made the trek back to Wakaiwa Springs State Park, put on our swimsuits, hoped that it wasn't super packed because it was it was hot for Oregonians. Yeah, for Oregonians, it's nice and warm. Yeah. and uh, it, it was like 80. <laughs> I, know, I think everybody else had like coats and like scarves on them. <laughs> um, so got down to the springs. They are just crystal clear and gorgeous. We had walked around it the one of the other days we were there, mm-hmm. and it is just the water is just so beautiful. Um, the springs keep it at what what is it? It's like seventy two degrees. Yeah, something like that. Which, it's, it's constant year round, always the same temperature. Which is a little chilly, granted, but you know our ocean that's right out here is like 50 degrees yeah it's like 40 to 50 all the time so better than that (laughs) um so got in went swimming it was fantastic it was like the best stress reliever that i've ever had (laughs) is floating in the springs there i wish we would have brought goggles oh totally but because because it was really cool there's um there's a little section of the spring where the actual active spring was was like a crack in the the it's like this crevasse that was down at the bottom and it was that's where the water is just flowing up out of it so it was, it was really cool you could feel the flow from the water you could uh, get really close to it but without goggles you couldn't see yeah i kept thinking it's like one of those swim spas <laughs> you know <laughs> you're just swimming against the current of the water but it's yeah. not like it pushed you that hard or anything no it wasn't like it wasn't like rapids or anything but it, it was, was just, obviously had a flow it was just so comfortable and you know i'm used to swimming like if we go swimming in a natural body of water it's like an ocean and you're all salty and you feel gross afterwards mm-hmm. but I've never felt cleaner than coming out of that spring. Like yeah. the water is just so pure and yeah, it was gorgeous. just it was just like uh, getting out of the shower or something. Like you oh, were yeah, it was you, better than getting out of the shower. Oh, I know it was it nice. didn't have like chlorine in it. Yeah, there was there was nothing. It was just like completely clean water that felt it felt comfortable. And we we get out dry off and we're like, well, I guess we don't need to go shower before going and doing stuff. So then we went to Lake Apopka Wildlife Drive. It was a li- <laughs> it was cold. Granted, you know. When I was a kid, like, we kept our pool, like, 80 degrees. What do you call that, mat temperature? No, that was 84 degrees. My dad wouldn't get into it unless it was 84. (laughs) Um, So it was a little cold. But after, like, a minute of being in it, you know, you're used to it. Mm -hmm. So I recommend you try swimming in the spring. 10 out of 10, we'll recommend. Oh, totally, yeah. I'll go back to go swim in that spring again. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so after that, we went to uh, Lake Apopka Wildlife Drive. There was a photography trip that was being led by uh, somebody we had met leanne Mm -hmm. and so we wanted to try to catch that and see what they were doing um they hadn't gone far at all we we were thinking okay well we're gonna have to rush in here and we're gonna have to race like halfway through the drive and then we ended up just driving past them in the first like 
50 feet yeah. <laughs> of the wildlife drive. And they'd already been there an hour. So they, they were, they were having a great time. There was some really good light on the, um, on the, on the birds. The, the sun was starting to come down behind them. So it was, it was kind of a, a good photography area that was, it was kind of good lighting wise. It was like a sunset yeah. wildlife drive. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they, they were, they, they had not made very much progress. So we just, we just joined them and took a bunch of pictures of like, uh, of, uh, great tail or not great tail, boat tail grackles mm-hmm. and uh, some blue winged teals, some northern shoveler female that was just standing up on one leg, just kind of stretching out and all that. And and the I think the trip was supposed to end at like four, like mm-hmm. two to four or something like that. But I mean, we didn't even get like half a mile by yeah. the time that that ended because it was just it was so birdy right in there. Oh, so yeah. at that point, um, Leanne had to go do a family thing. And she was kind of like, okay, well, you guys can go out this way or you can keep going through. And Eric and I hadn't, you know, we felt like bad that we hadn't done the wildlife <laughs> drive the whole time. So we ended up going through and doing the wildlife drive. Um, it's about, it was about 10 miles. Yeah, it's about so. a 10 mile drive. Um, took, I mean, we, we kind of booked it a little bit because we were getting close to the time in which cl- they were closing, closing time and all that stuff. Yeah. So we didn't spend a lot of time after that first bit with Leanne. We really didn't spend very much time stopping. It was just kind of like incidental if we saw something we'd stop for a second yeah but a lot of alligators so that's always fun to see the alligators what, uh, what, what do they call them they call them gator cockers oh yeah is that, is that what they refer to the people that are there just for the gators which yeah. the gators are super cool they're oh, yeah, super totally. close to the road really cool if as long as you stay in your vehicle and don't like harass them safe so you're super close to a gator and is relatively safe as long as you're not uh, kind of being dumb mm-hmm. and you just dr- drive along and you see gator 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 so it's su- super cool to see all that stuff but we were there for birds so we're we're looking for bird 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 and we've been on the lake apopka wildlife drive before yeah. it is a fantastic place for photography you know you can get up real close to some of these birds and get good photos of them and good looks um like black-bellied whistling ducks fulvis whistling ducks just lots of blue-winged teals um, we saw more gray-headed swamp hens there, so I actually got a better look at them there, yeah, too. Yeah, much, much better looks at them. If if you're looking to go see invasive species and you want to see that one, it's a much better look at them <laughs> yeah. than, than what we had at TM Goodwin. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's a fun drive through. Just make sure to prepare yourself that it can take a couple hours. The first time we went, we had gone banding. Um, just outside of that park at a different state park yeah, or at a state park that's nearby. And we were like on the way home to Tallahassee and we're like, Oh, we'll just drive through here. No, that was, that was dumb. It was, so it, it was, it's a 10 mile drive and we got uh, stuck behind what the the locals refer to as the gator gawkers. So they were, they're, they're looking at gators. They're having a great time enjoying wildlife, do, doing, doing that stuff, oh, which totally. is, which is spectacular. But they don't make very much progress. They they don't they don't go through there it's very quickly. Going. It's very slow going. If you stuck get stuck behind a large group of them, especially like on a Saturday or something, and so that's what we stu- the first time we went, ever went through there, we got stuck behind a big group and they had like big jacked up pickup trucks and they're just like standing in the back of the truck watching these gators and it's they're they're having a great time. I, I love that they're out there enjoying nature and enjoying like seeing these really cool like monstrous beasts up, up close, appreciating them, all that stuff. Yeah. But it, it was slow going. <laughs> it, was, it was slow going for us. Um, well, and we wanted to look at birds too. Yeah. We just didn't realize how incredible it was. Yeah. And so that was that was our fault for not like you know doing any research in advance. And, oh yeah. yeah. And knowing it was going to take us that long. Yeah. But we but we had a great time that time, and we had a great time again this time. Yeah. Go, going out there. Totally. And I'm looking at my eBird list and realizing that I need to go back and fix it because I have a, my picture of common gallinule. I saw that on common gallinule, and then I scroll down to American coot. And it's duplicated there on American Coot. So 
I've, you're gonna I, get a you're gonna get a me, call from somebody. I'm gonna I'm gonna get an email <laughs> if I don't hurry up and fix this. So I'm gonna have to fix that before uh, before the word gets out. Uh, so from there, <laughs> you know, we decided it was dinner time. We headed up to Mount Dora, which is north of there a little bit, and um, I found a brewery yes. that we went to. I wish we would have found breweries earlier. I, I I don't know why I wasn't adventurous enough to leave Garibaldi they, and go to a brewery. Were, they didn't have like a whole lot of them that were nearby that served food. Yeah. So yeah. that was one of the, the things that's, <laughs> you know, we have these, it's a bunch diff- of boxes to check. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Filters. <laughs> um, so we stopped at Eden Abbey brewery. That's just North of the wildlife drive. Mm-hmm. Really good food, good beer. Um, good time. They had a musician that was starting up. So it was a cool stop. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And more t- Mount Dora is a really cute little town. Oh yeah. And, and the, the brewery had a huge selection of different, spanning spanning beers so they had wheat beers they had porters they had ipas they kind of just all over the place so yeah. it, was, it was great so any any sort of beer like beer drinker we can find something there yeah so it was, it was really good and then the food i got this giant like heart clogger of a <laughs> burger that was just like ridiculous i think i got like a fried chicken sandwich or something all, all of the bur- my mouth's watering now but all, all of the burgers uh were like <laughs> it served with an extra extra set of napkins or something like that <laughs> Because they were all just like these big, huge, juicy, just like stuff packed. Like there's things. All, yeah, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember it being like a big heart clogger of a burger. Yeah, I want lunch too. <laughs> um. So great, great food, um, good entertainment, great beer. Got nice, back to the nice cabin. Time. We had an early morning the next day. We had to make it out to Merritt Island. Um, so we, mm-hmm. you know, got to sleep early and then. Well, relatively early. I well, mean, yeah. we, we, we had to go to the brewery. didn't. Lake Apopka, all that stuff. Yeah. We packed a lot into that day, but then still got to bed reasonable. Um, next morning, had to wake up early had and clean up the cabin because they do have uh, like a set of rules about how to leave the cabin. Oh, yeah. Packed up all our stuff, swept it out, took out the garbage, and then we were on the road to Merritt Island. Yeah. So we, we got down to Merritt Island uh, just in time. Perfect. Like 730. Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're, 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 we're guiding again with David Simpson, and we uh, got out there, did... Got, kind of got introductions. There was two different trips that day out in the same same exact spot, but uh, we kind of like split up a little bit. So we were actually doing the um, the Black Point Wildlife Drive. So it's, it's a drive we've done this drive before. Yeah, um, Merritt Island is just such a a beautiful site. It's one of my favorite national wildlife refuges. Mm-hmm. Um, they there's so much to see out there, and you know a couple sections to drive through. Um, and yeah, this wildlife drive is is one of my faves. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a good one, and it's really really easy to just bird it. Oh like, yeah. If if you're gonna go out there, it's you you pay your entry, or if if you're um a, if you have a year annual pass to the um to Merritt Island, you just display that. Yeah. But um right right at the entrance, you can pay your entry right there um, with cash, and then just drive through, and it's it's about about a six mile length of of drive. Mm-hmm really really comfortable you can you it's wide enough most of it that you can just pull over to the side and hop out if you want to look at something a little bit more in temp, in depth or you could just drive and look at things right from your car because there's it's pretty well unobstructed as you're driving through yeah and everything's pretty close mm-hmm. um our first spot though was right in front of the the pay station that's on that drive and we walked out on the canal or the the levy mm-hmm. um that's right next to it and there was a handful of roseate spoonbills just like right there feeding in front of us so we all you know took some really long pictures and looks at those um there were ibis poking around there was a green heron just 
really good close-up birds. You know, we hadn't seen a whole lot of roseate spoonbills up to this point. Most of them were, like, far away. So far was, away flying. Yeah, so it was nice to see them, like, <laughs> right up in our face. And that was the funny thing at Wakota Hatchie because we went to the wetlands after we were at Mare Island. Same, same day. And some guy was, like, pointing out the spoonbills to us. And it was like, yes, we just saw them a lot closer. <laughs> I wasn't rude. I promise. No, I was yeah. very grateful that he showed us the birds. Oh yeah, no, that's awesome. When 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 locals, especially especially like that they take pride, they take they take yeah. pride, and this is their spot that they come to all the time, and they can show you. They're like, oh, I see you. I I don't recognize you. You've never yeah. been here. Let's let, let me show you some stuff. Totally, I do it here. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah so, gr- oh, fantastic drive. We ended up almost seventy species on the drive itself. Again. Again, these 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 lists at uh, Lake Apopka, the North Shore Birding Festival. You go out there and you you sixty seventy species every single day, and if you do different habitat types, different different types of trips each time, mm-hmm. you you end up with a list. I can't remember what the total. I think it was one hundred and sixty birds is what the the festival, the festival ended, up, ended with, up with. I think it was closer to one hundred and seventy. One hundred seventy, yeah. It was a, a pretty significant number of birds seen over the the four days of the festival. But it's 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 a great festival. I I had a great time in general at the festival. One hundred seventy two. One hundred seventy two for the full for the full festival. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't we uh we we had a great time. Yeah. And Merritt Island especially that's that's like a place that we always want to go to like and spend more time and at. spend more time at. But yeah. we all, almost always only end up there for one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but lots of really great sites at the festival to visit. Um, you know I. I didn't really realize how much more there was to Lake Apopka mm-hmm. than doing the wildlife drive. So yeah. that was really cool. And, you know, um, they let us know that the part of the fundraising for the festival is to hopefully build some sort of nature center um, at the wildlife drive. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. I think that'll be a great addition to that area. Oh, yeah. So next to the next to the entrance to the wildlife drive, there's kind of there's a, like fairly close to there. There's a, there's like a defunct warehouse type building. Uh-huh. And that's that's the building that they're working on refurbishing. And so, with the fundraising from this, hopefully, they, this all this all goes well, and they can continue doing some more fundraising efforts through Orange Audubon and create this visitor center. That then, I mean, I don't I don't want to put words in anybody's <laughs> mouth, but I mean, I, I I see I see that as potentially being like the headquarters for the festival. Oh yeah, totally. Like, That'd the, be like great. This is like create create a more centralized you know have situation. food trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I think I think it's a great opportunity that um, that they, they've been presented with, and I hope the fundraising goes 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 really well for them. Yeah, totally. And we're glad we could be a part of that in any oh, yeah. way that we were. Yeah, it was fun. Add add, add our 128 species to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So definitely a big thank you to you know everybody at the festival, Kathy, Susan, Deborah, and the rest of the festival crew and guides, you know, for making us feel welcome and giving us the opportunity to come down and explore. Um, we, yeah, we love birding in Florida. Like mm-hmm. there's so much to see and it's, you know, when we were there, it was nice and warm. So it was a great <laughs> reprieve from the cold of the North. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. So we'll, we'll include, we'll include links to the festival for, for next year or maybe if they don't have that up for at least the links for the festival from this year and then to each of the different spots that we went. So that'll, that'll be in the show notes. And then, uh, other than that, I think. I think that's what we've got for the festival. Yeah. It was a great time. And thank you guys all for having us. And thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, anywhere that you find us. Where If you're listening to us now, you can 
review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Um, if you'd like to connect with us on the socials, you can follow us all over the place. Most of the time it's Hannah and Eric Go Birding or Hannah Goes Birding or Eric Goes Birding. Our Instagram is Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding, incidentally. And uh, we have our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding, and our email address, Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com, and our website, www.gobirdingpodcast.com. Happy New Year.